Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And thanks to everyone who came out to the Jericho Chronicles shows in the UK. Great night in Glasgow on Monday. Sold that place out. Another last night in Belfast. Great time with the Jericho uh, at WrestleMania topic. But tonight, it's the last show in London. The biggest show of the tour at the Grand we're talking about my greatest matches, plus your questions, and I'll give you some answers. There are some tickets left. Check out itrtix.com. There's some VIP packages available as well. Do not miss these spoken word uh, storytelling shows. I really enjoy them. Should I do more? And if so, where should I go? And also, if you live in the States, tune in to True TV tomorrow night, Thursday, July 7th, and see me having some fun with the Impractical Jokers. I'm joining Sal Volcano. Brian Quinn, Q, and Mur- Murray, James Murray is a special guest. And actually, that's who I got coming up on today's so- show. Sal and Q returned to Talk is Jericho to discuss my special guest appearance on Impractical Jokers, what it's been like doing the show without their longtime friend and partner, Joe Gatto, who left the series earlier this year. Joe did a lot more for the show than just comedy, skits, and pranks. Sal and Q also talk about some of the most embarrassing moments, and there's plenty of them. Crazier pranks uh, as well, like when Sal and Joe had to open for Imagine Dragons and got booed off the stage intentionally, or when Sal had to get not one but two tattoos of Jaden Smith, uh, and that time that Q had to continually stop the tram tour at Universal Studios. They talk about filming during COVID, how they're able to get away with some of the pranks and bits now that people know who they are. Ten years into Impractical Jokers, they are played at 51% of the time on True TV. We're talking about our episode and how uh, Q um, almost had hypothermia from sitting in a bathtub full of ice. You have to watch the episode to see. But hear all about it. Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers are coming up now. But before we get going, Fozzie heading out again this fall. Save the World Tour continues September 8th in Columbus, Ohio. We are crisscrossing the states doing shows in Canada. FozzyRock.com has all the dates and ticket information along with details on our legendary VIP meet and greets. Then we're heading down under in November and December, New Zealand and Australia. Fozzie is headed your way. Kicking things off November 28th in Auckland, New Zealand. Hitting Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide. Come rock with us this fall all around the world. We're also coming back to the UK in November, England, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Go to FozzyRock.com for all information, tickets, VIPs, and everything in between. All right, let's get to Sal and Q from the Impractical Joker Appreciation Society right now, right here on Talk is Jericho. So we are here at the ungodly morning uh, morning time of 8 a.m. With, uh, with Q and Sal of the Impractical Jokers. And it seems like this is the only time in uh, our very busy schedules we could do this. Why, why are we doing this at 8 in the morning again? Because you asked. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I could have asked to do two in the afternoon. But you asked for eight in the morning. Yeah, we didn't understand it either. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have scheduled those super packed between all the different things that you're doing. Uh, and one of them is f- still filming. Are we still filming the season, the new season that's about to to drop very quickly that I was on? Well, you were on the end of nine. Uh, we're shooting season 10 now. Already? We don't get any breaks, man. We Jeez got we got, we got, to keep shooting before they realize like they can cancel us. You know? <laughs> you were on the last nine episodes of season nine. So we filmed those nine. 
and now we're off we're off to 10. I, I had a schedule of when yours airs and I'm look, trying to look it up right now. It's next week. It airs July 7th, yes. Well, now, now, Sal, do you understand why I wanted to do it this week? That's probably why we're here at 8 in the morning so we could get it done to air it next week to, to promote the show. See? The synergy is perfect. Yes. You are a professional. Yeah. Well, let's just go one other step here. You mentioned that you wanted to do the 10th season before they realized that you're going to get canceled. 10 seasons of this shit? How the hell did you get that thing? How did you get that past the censors? <laughs> we, we're just starting to look around and realize that, we, that we're that we on season 10. Like, it's been happening lately where we're like, how the hell did we get 10 seasons? Like, it's it's almost unheard of today. And the crew started to look around and everybody started to look around at how much grayer everybody is and, like... <laughs> Like how much we're all like, are we really ten years older? And we 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 are. It's crazy. It's nuts. I think when we signed in the beginning in 2010, I think we signed a 10 season contract. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's amazing that with season 10, we are we do have season one rates, but yeah, right. <laughs> it was the it was the 10 year tryout contract, yeah, and yeah. season 11, you're finally going to get paid. Yeah, be great. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because because for this season, for nine at least, the whole concept of the show kind of switched. Because before it was kind of sending you guys out into the wild, and and maybe maybe there's different episodes, but the one that we did was kind of all in house in in a studio, in a studio scenario. Yeah, that's that was COVID. We came with the COVID regulations, which was kind of wild. Like, uh, I guess all of season nine, except for maybe like what the first two eps. Q? Yeah, we we shut down while we were shooting season nine. Yeah, we stopped at season. It was episode two when we stopped down, and then we did. 24 episodes in COVID regulations. So we had to like retool the whole thing. So, you know, but I think we did a good job. It's just, we, we couldn't go up to people, no more in public, no more on the street, no more, right. in, you know, like just a public area or anything like that. So everything had to be rethought out. We didn't want to make it seem like obvious. So we did everything we could to kind of just like make it appear as normal as possible. You know, the regular bits just had to be a lot more scheduled, like, you know, meetings and, and, and PowerPoint presentations and focus groups and just weird things. Like we, we got we did we did a music studio stuff. So we were behind glass while the other people were doing voiceovers. Anything we did one where they were, uh, I think, assembling something they, they, like the people were in our yard, but we were up on the terrace. I think that was I don't know. I might be confused, but we did all stuff like that. Yeah, that was it. We shot that at Snug Harbor Outdoors. That's why we were able to shoot with people. And then with you, obviously, we not to give much away, but yeah, like you're there's no, it's just us. There's no public. It's you, you, <laughs> and my mom. <laughs> I know. It's just, it was basically just you, you, me, Q, and Murray, and Murr. And that was it. And, yeah, the room. and my mom. <laughs> yeah, and your mom. That's right. Yeah. She was amazing. But was it, was it, uh, was it hard to do a change like that, or was it was it uh, a welcome change to shake it up a bit, or how, how did you guys deal with that? The only welcome thing was this: we 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 basically for the first time ever, because our show is unique in that like Monday we're shooting in the basement of a bodega, Tuesday we're shooting in a library, Third, like we don't have sets, we don't have it's right. every day's in a new location, which is kind of a pain in the ass, but whatever, it's it's the job. So for the first time with it, we kind of rented out. We had like Impractical Joker Studios. Like we rented out this building in Jersey, made it look different in a lot of different ways. And then, you know, we have our various method for getting the, you know, the people that we're messing with to come in. But we, 
drove to the same place every day. And it was a half hour from my house. And there was always parking. And it was always air conditioned and heating. It was like having a studio show. And it was like, that part was awesome. But we really felt constrained by... And, and, and I think we did a great job. Like, I don't really have any complaints about season nine. It was a lot harder to do. Uh, and it's so funny because, like, people will complain about it online. And you're like, you bastards. Like, if you knew how, <laughs> yeah. if you knew how hard we worked to get these episodes oh. out the door. And you guys are like, I don't see any parks. I'm like, oh, I'll show you a park, <laughs> a cemetery, you sons of bitches. Like, yeah. So, so that was that was it. But, but we just shot out in a, in a supermarket for the first time the other day, and in a park for the first time the other day, and it felt like the sun came out. It was beautiful, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all of us had to recalibrate, you know, during um, during the lockdown. I mean, like you said, we we were doing wrestling, you know, dynamite for nine months in front of no people. And the yeah. first time we had, you know, I think the limited seating of 500 people in the 6,000 capacity daily space, it felt like Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Because right, yeah. we're finally, there's people, ah, it works again, and they're here. And Daly's Place had its own personality. Like, it was kind of just shooting there, had its own personality with the outdoors and the sales shit. Yeah. I don't know. I, you guys really made it work. E- even when it was just... The wrestlers around the ring, you guys made it work. And then and then Daly's place really worked. I, I thought you pulled it off great. We had no choice, much like you guys had no choice. You still got a show to make, so let's switch kind of. Because correct me if I'm wrong, in other seasons, it was more of like ridiculous challenges and embarrassing each other in public and making each other do things that, that normally you wouldn't do. But yet for our season and our show, I mean, I, I don't mind saying this because it probably will get people like you are in this ice cold bath yeah. for literally probably about an hour, yeah, which was insane. What was minutes. that? 48 minutes. Yeah. And this was like freezing. And I remember thinking, I feel so bad for this dude on camera because it was freezing. Oh, did, did you feel bad? Because it didn't seem like you felt bad. <laughs> I'm a professional. I'm a professional. <laughs> was that always part of the show as well? Kind of this physical challenge, uh, shall we say? Yeah, there were elements of it here and there, but it wasn't the norm. The, you know, like, because, you know, even for us, it's like, you know, once we're evolving, like, once there's so many episodes, we have to really start branching out. We started to do physical stuff, um, too. Right. But it really wasn't the norm as opposed to, like, what we were doing, what we were doing with you. But I'll tell you this, though. I don't know uh, if you saw the aftermath of that. Like Hugh, they, they had to bring him to the hospital. He, they had to get him. His, they couldn't get his body temperature yeah. back up. And I have video and, and pictures. <laughs> yeah, he I comes in to that. check up on me to see how I'm doing. He starts filming me. And I'm like, you don't care about me. Get out of here. <laughs> no, no, he, no, it was actually, it was very like, I actually was very serious. Like I went in, it was like two, three, two or three EMTs in there. And you were wrapped in, I'm going to say, 10 blankets. It was pretty crazy. They had like one of those Jedi Knight type robes that like went around me. And then they, they had heaters blowing on me. And they, But I couldn't get my core temperature back up. I was shivering for an hour afterwards. That's insane. Like that's how you get like hypothermia and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 And then my jeans froze to my skin. Uh, the seams no. of my jeans froze to my skin. So when I took them off, they ripped my skin off oh my gosh dude and then my thighs got black and blue for two weeks afterwards it, it was crazy it was like this was all a bonus we didn't even know this was gonna happen. <laughs> 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 and simmy our new showrunner like 
he, Simmy's been with us a long time, but he's running. He's show running now. And yeah. like he was, he you could tell he was like, holy, f like he was like, he's like, oh, I goes, I just got this job, and these guys are already getting their skin ripped off and stuff like that. He felt he felt really bad. Simmy was the only one I felt really cared. Is this what you signed up for when you signed the ten year deal? Did you know you'd be doing stuff like this? No, no, not a 46, man. I, I didn't think we'd be getting more hardcore as we went. I thought we would start relaxing, but no, that's not been the case. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you guys have done the show many, many years ago, but let's kind of go through how this whole phenomenon started because the Jokers are a phenomenon. You guys, we were talking a little bit when you were off the air, Sal, about the shows that you're doing on your own in these giant theaters, which when the when the Jokers tour, you, you guys are doing the O2 Arena in freaking London. I'm going to London tonight to do the Grand Theater for my spoken word show, capacity about 700. You guys are going to the freaking O2 Arena, capacity 20,000. Where's the justice there? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's going on? When you've been in an industry as long as we have... <laughs> <laughs> but how did this whole thing start? Were you guys all high school friends? What 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 happened with this? Yeah, nineteen ninety. We all we're all the same age. We went into high school at the same exact time in nineteen ninety. We met that year, and really, we you know we were all friends. We weren't like a, a four man clique or anything like that. And uh, you know, we just I think like after high school, we started doing sketch and improv, and that's when, like I guess the the, the seed of it all started. You know, right. But, yeah. So I, I, I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, it was, we just, we made a sales tape that was surprisingly very much what the show turned out to be. There were some elements that didn't make it. We had a talking van uh, in the pitch tape. Yeah. It voiced by Patrick Stewart. Yeah. We wanted Patrick Stewart to voice the van and he was good. And the van hated us. Six strings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the, in the pitch tape, it's the four of us in a van, and the vans were pretending to talk to a van, and the vans like go out and do this, and we went out. But once we got out of the van, I think we shot a Victoria's Secrets, right? It was like where get where bra. We shot a Victoria's Secrets. We shot at a movie theater in Times Square, and a couple of other like stores. Their whole idea was the van hated us, and <laughs> Patrick Stewart was the voice of the van, like kind of like kid. He was over it and just so dismissive of us the whole time. Like, they didn't get that part. Yeah. But, but we, filmed the, the we filmed the sizzle reel on our phones, like, a few days before the meeting. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's so funny. We pitched MTV first, and they said they wanted to, to buy it, but they wanted to make it um, a game show. Hmm. They wanted us to host it. Or, or not even host no, it. No, they didn't even want us on they, it. They didn't want us on it. They wanted to have different contestants on every game and then they would have rotating comedians telling just telling the contestants what to do mm. and we said well you know we then true offered us the show with us in it we were, we said to mtv well we think like we're comics and you know we think that we want to play ourselves so people like will get to know the character and have be invested and all that stuff so they were like no we don't want to do that so we went with true and then mtv made the show anyway they made the oh really they literally made yeah. the show that they said they wanted to make with us off of our idea. They 100% just went ahead and made it anyway. Yeah, but it, it was called Money from Strangers, and it was 
it was a strip show is on every like and and it was contestants in a van with comedians and they drove up to places and then the contestants got out and the comedians stayed in the van and told them what to do over the mic. Oh wow. They had a lot of good comics on, but it was like we had gotten on air first. Mm. And, and then by that time, like I think we were on air for like almost maybe a season or a half season, and people were just like, What is this knockoff? And then it just it, it lasted like a couple of seasons or whatever. But it was kind of ballsy of MTV, honestly, to tell you the truth, to go and just take our idea and do it. Well, especially ten years ago when True TV was was very much a fledgling network. I mean, this is one of the things where you guys have become synonymous. And, and the face of, of True TV is the Impractical Jokers. I mean, you go to the TV Guide, and I do it all the time, where I'll be looking for something to watch, and you're flipping through, and it's like, you know, 8 o'clock Impractical Jokers, 9 o'clock Impractical yeah. Jokers. I think everybody was like, how much Impractical Jokers? You guys are like, you're like TBS with a Christmas story, just playing 24-hour <laughs> yeah. loops. Well, well, I think that that's actually the answer to your spoken word debacle, my friend, because uh, we... Debacle. <laughs> debacle. <laughs> <laughs> because because they don't because it's not you know they don't have to pay us to air it repeats so oh, they air wow. it constantly because it's a technically a reality show so what we lost unscripted. you know it, it, unscripted right thank you uh what we lost in that you know steady paycheck for the rest of our lives we gained in just exposure we're always on we're always on and like so that helped our touring. It was a nonstop commercial for our tour. It, and it's insane that we are on. I mean, we're always on. As much as we're on. <laughs> we crunched some numbers two, three seasons ago. In season seven, we were, we were getting ready for a re renegotiation. And our people crunched the numbers and found out that we aired uh, that year. We aired 51% of the time. Wow. Of, of all total programming that year, 51%. <laughs> yeah. It might have gone up. I got to be honest. I don't know. I, every time I go through the guide, I see like the sh what you just said. <laughs> yeah. There was a week where we were on 18 hours a day for an entire week. I know that. I mean, no, here's the thing. We're laughing and joking about this, but but it's something that Shawn Michaels told me years ago when we had like, I think, three segments on Raw or something. It's like, geez, we're busy tonight. He's like, what, are you going to complain about getting more TV time? Give me all the TV time. And that's kind of what you guys have. We're laughing about 18 hours a day, but that that is prime real estate and it is rare i mean you guys know and i'll tell you anybody listening it's not easy to get on tv it's not easy to have a hit show and once again when you finally do get a show to get a second season that's even harder sometimes than getting the show in the first place so that's um, that's incredible that that you guys have accomplished this at that level yeah we, we haven't been able to recreate it really <laughs> like every tv show we've like it's weird sal would you agree with this like there is a backlash to it, even within our own network, where they're like, "All right, we got we got enough of you guys." Right. You know what I mean? So it's like we, we'll pitch them some things every once in a while, and we get something through. Dinner party we got through, which I loved making. We did fifty episodes, three seasons of a game show too, called The Misery Index, that was rating even right than Joker's actually, and they said it was not repeatable. So mm. obviously, Joker's is repeatable. So. They unser like they kind of like unceremoniously just was like, eh, we're not gonna renew it. They didn't even like have a conversation with us. We just like found out. Was that on True TV as well? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 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 And it, it just just finished like last year and it was like it was such a good job. Yeah, it was we fun. got to go to the studio in like ten days and film the entire season, which is the show the other show takes us 
10 months maybe right so it was like yeah and we were looking forward to it and they just kind of like yeah no so we're trying to get it back on now but like it but that did happen like in the in 2014 we got a sketch comedy show on true mm-hmm. and uh we were like thrilled they gave us like a small little budget for it and we had to shoot it like on off days oh, of the yeah, show. Yeah. it was like a, now they look back at it, it was completely unideal like they were like let's give you guys another show and then they were like the budget is not enough and you just shoot it on the daisy you're not shooting the other show we did i thought we did a noble job considering but they aired it it was it was second on the network only behind jokers obviously mm-hmm. like you know like beat you. only behind jokers it was still rating like a point six at the time and no other show was even close and they didn't even they aired the episodes one time each hmm. and never aired them again i the network didn't see it. They just didn't like it. Right. And then there was also this weird, like, they didn't promote it the right way. And so the, our fans were like, what is this? Like, these guys don't do that. They do this. Like, right. we, we want to see this. Is this replacing that? And there was this whole, like, confusion behind it. And I think they just they just got, like, freaked out by it or something. I don't know. So you mentioned something earlier that I just wanted to touch on. So you you said that unscripted shows you don't get residuals from the from the replays. No, because wow, we, we're, you're not in SAG because you're not uh, you're not acting. They get you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> they get you. It's like the WWE Network or Peacock or all that stuff. They're showing you know a thousand Chris Jericho matches at any way, shape, or time or form. You can stream it, and there's no royalties for that. You know, yeah. it's like we should band together and start some kind of a unscripted union yeah. and then get banned from the business. Completely. That's what would happen. They would get that's exactly yeah. what would happen. They would, they would be like, well, then we'll just cancel it. It's so funny to call it unscripted because, yeah, we don't have like dialogue on the page. We're not writing scenes or anything. But every single concept, idea, joke, even if I mean, okay, half the jokes are improvised, but we write the jokes, too. You right. know, like we have a writing team and we have to come up with the ideas, conceptualize them, write them out, you know, every little beat of them and then all the jokes. And so we, it's kind of not like the best uh, description of our show to say it's unscripted, but just there's only two categories. <laughs> it's interesting though. Cause when we did the show, I mean, it, it was, it was right on my own. It, it's, a, it was really cool for me to get invited onto jokers because like you said, we spoke a bit about what, some ideas of what we wanted to do. And we had, you know, kind of a skeleton. But when we showed up, I mean, it was just, let's just talk about this and let's do that. And let's eat some sushi off a naked man, <laughs> you know, all the stuff. But you guys were basically just, just improving. you know, we're just riffing here, which was, it's a wide open, easy way to do it. Is that how it's always been? Yeah, that was, that's pretty much been it. Yeah. I, I would say, but it, 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 you know, we've known each other for so long and look like a side, look, you killed it on the show. We're friends with you. We're fans of you. So, so you were an especially easy person to, to click in because right. we have an existing dynamic. You know, the three of us text each other all the time, and it's right. all just constant bullshit. You know what I mean? Like it's who's this making fun. some great insults, by the way. It's been yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's like great, and it could happen at two in the morning. It could happen at like one in the afternoon, eight a.m. Like I love it. Like when my phone goes off and I see our text chain. So it's like that, that familiarity is that it's, it's comfortable. So like yeah, yeah, right. I know what you're saying because sometimes we have someone come in. Well, coming up now, we have a couple of people. For the most part, I think I would say like 80 to 90 percent of the people we've booked, have, we've had organic relationships with, and we we want them on, and like we want you know the, to be part of it. Then there's been just you know some that we're just meeting for the first time, or and so like that is totally a different dynamic. 
Yeah. You know, because we have to get them comfortable and get them in the space and understand what they're about and what they're down for. And, you know, we don't know their temperament or personality or as, as, as like what Q was saying, we, we have a relationship with you. So you can be pleasantly surprised at the end of the day when it's all over, but like going into it, there's like a little bit of a question mark. Whereas going into it with you, we're just like, Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Like, you know, you just know yeah. well, similar, similar to, to doing a podcast. I mean, some guests you get like with us eight in the morning, just log on and start talking. Other people that you're not as familiar with, you might have to have some, I never have questions, but I might have to go online and look them up and study them a bit or whatever it may be. And some people just, you know, it's like Mike Tyson comes on and gives me a bunch of one word answers. And I'm like, dude, you understand this is a a podcast. You're supposed to talk. That's what we're here for. You know, you got to do some stuff. I'm not getting in on this conversation about Mike Tyson. <laughs> you never know where you'll run into Mike Tyson. <laughs> That's true. That's true. When you guys, because um, another big change for you guys was this is the first season, I believe, without Joe. Yeah. And um, was that a, a complete change in the dynamic? Yeah. Uh, I don't think on camera it's as much as I thought it would be, right, Sal? Like, I, I think everything's kind of really yeah. came to, like, on, on screen behind – the scenes there was a lot more work for the for the for us <laughs> really yeah from uh, a writing standpoint a creating standpoint yeah joe did a lot of uh like just production stuff oh, okay like we, all had, we all had like different roles joe loved doing the production stuff so for the most part he took that you know he took the bull by the horns there uh so we had to like and then also what happened was in the timing of it was that because of the covid break we lost like a bunch of really tenured yeah. department heads. Oh, right. Uh, that really, like, you know, it takes a long time to get to the, that well-oiled machine where the show is, everyone knows their job and is, is good at their job. And it's like, it eased the burden on us after some time. And we got into that mode. It was like spoiled, like, you know, because like, yeah. we were just, but um, losing Joe in tandem with those people and bringing in new people, it had to, they, it, we had to find a groove, which we're still kind of finding, right, actually. But we had to find this groove again. And, that, and, and then with the pressure of knowing we were coming back to the people without Joe and they'd have their, you know, reservation and their criticisms or they're looking at, uh, under a microscope at us. So, and then the fact that he's not there, you know, he's like our dear yeah. friend. And like, like I always say, he's like, it's like making a recipe and move, removing a key ingredient. So yeah. how do you, you know, and I think that what Q was saying kind of like surprised us. I think, you know, after not being uh, shooting like for so long because of COVID, when we got there, there was also this, this, this gratefulness and this excitement to be see the people that we all worked with this whole time and to, to be so happy as well to be back to work, even though we were like a little, you know, we were, uh, you know, sad that we wouldn't be with Joe, but. I think you get you show up and then there's a job to do. You know, our job is to be funny and be focused. And so you get on set and everybody's like, you know, everyone is like, all right, we got to do this. We got to do this. There's a goal. You know, every time we get to set, there's like a plan of attack and you kind of just get in there. And I, I think that that like we just went into autopilot. And I think that because the, the, the dynamic of the show is that often like Q and I would do something. Murray and I would do something. Q right. something. Like so – it still felt familiar. You know what I mean? Like Joe was missing, but like if I went out and did something with Murray, that's something I've done a million times. So it wasn't like there was still these like little elements and pockets of things that still felt normal. And I think that I wasn't really, I didn't know what to expect, but um, 
luckily it was smoother than I than I was anticipating. We call it I I call it war, the wartime and practical jokers crew because like it was this melding of new guys and old people that worked on the show and and it was like the way they came together. We were so stressed. I mean, we were like cuz look, do we want to do the show, right? That was the first conversation. Like if Joe's leaving, that's a very nerve-wracking conversation to even have when you have mortgages. You know what I mean? You're like, right, right. Like, are we, do we even want to do the show? And then then it's like, are people going to hate us? And you get those people who are like, no Joe, no show, or bring Joe back. And you're like, you just want to be like, mother It's like, I didn't ask Joe to leave. Like, right. You know what I mean? He's not here because of me. Like, I want him here. It's a weird stance, right? Because it's like, I love the show. I love you guys. The show's the best. And then it's like, if Joe's not there, I'm not watching. And I was like, what? Well, why? <laughs> like, like, what a weird stance to take. Like, you don't even want to check it out. <laughs> you just, I know. it's all, But you guys are, are experiencing, I'm sure, what, like every band experiences. Like, you know, out of Van Halen. David Lee Roth is gone. No Van Halen. It's like, listen, we got another guy. He's just as good, if not better. What do you want me to do? It's still the great songs that you love. It's still yeah. the show that you love. Should I go yeah. to exile because you guys want Joe on? <laughs> like, I don't know what you want. Like, I want him here. Like, I started to say people on the street who are like, oh, when are you getting Joe back? I'm like, you got to call him, man. Like, that's it. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. <laughs> yeah, but we, we, we've we been getting, you know, we. but uh, for the most part, I think it's been really. Yeah, that is, that's just, uh, I mean, you're going to get that no matter what. No matter no what. Way. It's a minority, but it is it is just funny to think about what that's the, the you know, we were just talking about, you know, the blood and guts that we had on Wednesday night. Oh, it was too long. Oh, it was too short. Oh, there's too many commercial breaks. It's like you realize this is a free TV show that you watch for free that is on network TV that has commercials that you have to do to pay the bills so you can watch it for free. Yeah. You know uh, I, mean? I mean, and by the way, look at what you guys did in that match. Like. Are you people kidding me? Like right. what, what? What more do they want? I I thought, I thought. Uh, what is Cesaro calling him? It's Claudio. Like Claudio. like when he's spinning you around on the top of the thing. Like <laughs> I was like I, dude. I was just getting nervous. You know what I mean? Like I'm like right. this is crazy. You guys are sweaty, man. I don't know who oils up. <laughs> like what if, what if you just shoot out into the audience? It could happen. Yeah, well, you never know, right? That's you the thing. never this, know. Yeah, and that's the same thing with what you guys are doing with your show. It, it actually is funny because when I saw that originally, I don't know why I thought this. Remember, wasn't there like a, the Backstreet Boys where one guy quit? And there's only four Backstreet Boys. That's kind of what this reminds me of. The three Jokers now. <laughs> it is. It is, and unfortunately, some people like Joe the most. Yeah, you know. But Chris, you you probably deal with that tenfold, a hundredfold because wrestling fans are such this insane. They're, they're, they're nothing if not at first and foremost opinionated. Well, and, and very loyal in that they'll complain about everything, but they'll still keep watching. And I'm sure yeah. you have the same complaining about this and the other thing, get this guy back or do this or do that, or go back to season one, but they're still there with you watching on season yeah. 10. Yeah. I think it's a new thing because like, I would say, Sal, I don't know if you agree with this, like we, and we still have it. I, I know we're just talking about a very, very small minority, but we've always had such a great relationship with our audience. There's never been any any really hate coming our way. It's just not happened. We've been so lucky about that over the years. So it's Super also cute. odd dealing with that from our audience yeah. who have treated us so nice all these years. <laughs> and then some of them are just like mean right now. I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the, the, the great moments and the great bits on the show. I have some in mind that I'd like to talk about, but... I mean, the idea, like we said, is just to completely embarrass each other, 
put each other in positions that like it's cringe. Like I, I was thinking like when when I got the offer to do the show because when Joe left, you kind of have a rotating fourth, and I was like, what are these guys going to make me do? And then I was oh, we're doing it to you much better. But I mean, there has been some just amazing moments. I'll start it off with my all-time favorite. I watch it all the time. Is when you <laughs> open for the Imagine Dragons, <laughs> and it's Sal and, and, and Joe who, who who we're talking about is not with with the band anymore. I mean, that one just let's talk a little bit about that. You guys go to open for Imagine Dragons, but you don't play any instruments man that one was one of my old timers i think because yeah. it, yeah. it was one of the biggest production pieces we had earlier on like we like that was because uh, at this point now i think that's been like six seven eight years yeah. ago whatever. and th- that was a real get for us while this thing we were filming in washington square park i believe and we met this gentleman and his wife and one of their babies they were walking in the park and uh, they just said that they were big fans and we were like, why don't you sit down with us and hang out and watch watch for the day? And um, they were the sweetest people. And it turned out that the person we met was, his name was Mac Reynolds. And he is the brother of Dan Reynolds, the lead singer of Imagine Dragons. And he's um, there's a lawyer and, and, a, and a manager. He's their and manager, yeah. He managed them and they hadn't broke yet when we met him. And he was managing the killers at, at the time. I don't know if he still is, but... They were the band. We were like, "What? You manage the Killers?" And he goes, "He's like, I manage another band." He goes, "They're going to be huge," and we kept in touch with them. And then that band became Imagine Dragons. But I think they were probably out already. But we just didn't. Yeah. I think they broke publicly. And then he, you know, we met them, and they offered us to come in there. So we were at the uh, where was that? Jones Beach. Jones Beach. Jones Beach. Which is a huge amphitheater. There's yeah. twenty thousand people there. Yes, and it was their biggest show. I, or I believe it was their biggest show to date or because I was, they were saying like, this is like the thing. And when I tell you, so the, the thing was Joe and I had to open for them as a band called imagination dragons. Wasn't it? No, no. That's what they called. Them. Oh, right, 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 right. What was it called? Brian names the band after our high school Spanish teacher. <laughs> what is it again? Senior Alonzo. Senior Alonzo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, literally she was my Spanish teacher. Like, so, we came out with us in tights and like like ripped, you know, everything. And dude, there was it just so happened there was three other openers. Yeah, <laughs> it was too long. So there was three openers and intermission and them. So three bands played before we went on. And then what they did was they lowered the lights and started like the, those roving spotlights. <laughs> and, and they put on like that, like that music, like, like they were going to come out. And so the people were like, all right, we've seen, there's been an intermission. We've seen three bands. The lights are down. They went nuts, man. nuts. And then Joe and I just walked out two guys and we're like, thank you. We got Senor Alonso. And they were like, they were just looking at each other. Like, cause we weren't even on the bill. Yeah. <laughs> They, they slip in my pocket right before I go out. They slip a thing that I had to read, and I didn't see it. And when I did 14,000, I still have it. I have it. I, kept, I keep certain things, so I have this note. It was in the museum. The note was in the museum that now, we had. Now, just to, just to, you guys have earpieces in, and the guys are backstage with microphones telling you what to do. Yeah. 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 And so, but, but, but 
the what to do was go out and do a concert. Right. There was, there was, no, there was no instructions. And I don't play guitar. Joe didn't play drums. And I don't sing. And we went out there. And the first thing I did was take out the, the thing. And it said, I'd like to dedicate this concert. And this, this is in Long Island, right? New York. Right. I'd like to dedicate this concert to the people of Pittsburgh. They were the best crowd we've ever had. And I can already tell you people will be nowhere near as good. It was like straight up heel yeah. shit. You yeah. know what I mean? It was, it was heel by the book. Like, and that, all right, like that, that like a behind the scene thing, that wasn't originally part of it. Like I wrote that side stage about 10 minutes before they went out. Like yeah. I, I, it was just like, oh, I got an idea. And my handwriting was so bad that we had to have someone from production rewrite it. <laughs> Because I was going so fast that I was like, you know, my handwriting looks like a child. Um, yeah, so that that was like, that turned out to be a good one. And then when you called the band Imagination Dragons, that came from Dan, the lead singer. He goes, people get our name wrong all the time. Oh, he goes, so tell them to call us Imagination Dragon. The fans will hate it. Hate it. And and it worked. It was like an A-bomb. Because they then they got on the mic and they were try, like trying to tell us what to do. By the way, I think that was the first time I was in front of a crowd that big too. Like people don't like that's never experienced that when you walk out right. and stand on a stage and there's 15,000 people look, it's like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> and then, and then they just go sing. And so I start strumming the guitar. He starts hitting the drums and I'm riffing songs and they just start booing and throwing things and everything. And I'm going imagination dragons thing, you know? And then like they would say, sing a song called shut your face grandma. So then I just sang a song called shut your face grandma. And, and, and then, so he did like three songs. It felt like it was never ending. Songs. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's air quotes. <laughs> Joe kept going like drum solo, <laughs> like the and and then um and then I was like I don't know what to do, and they were like I, I think someone was like you know insult them more. I was like just I thought they were, and so I start going like I'm up there like let me play like a punk song now like a, like I right. all that to me was I would yell and hit it harder. <laughs> yeah. but that's like, all right, I'll do a punk song. So I start going the imagination dragon like i can't believe i'm doing this but they're telling me like to mess with them so i was like all right and i'm i, I keep going the imagination dragon i go we're better than them better than them the imagination dragons and so at, i gotta tell you something else but i'll tell you fast forward i go off stage and i did not realize no one told me this and it didn't click with me but they're all Mormon and their crowd is a lot of Mormon. People. Oh, wow. I didn't know yes. that. And then there was an edict to not curse. <laughs> and I, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. And then I walked off stage and like, Dan was like in the face. He was just like, like shell shot. Yeah. And we were like, Oh, he goes, I just wish you wouldn't curse like that. And I was like, Oh, was I not supposed to curse? <laughs> no, we don't curse, man. Or like, what? And I was like, I felt like that was their crowd of all those people. And they had us as guests. And I I can't tell you how bad I felt. I had no idea. They were really cool about it, but I don't think in their in their illustrious decorated career thus far a curse steward shit has been uttered on stage. <laughs> I said I screamed at the crowd twenty times, <laughs> and, and then when I'm out there, when I'm out there, all of a sudden I, I it's so like overwhelming, and the guys are yelling in my ear, and I'm trying to play these songs on the fly, and people are throwing shit at us, and a stagehand comes up. 
and he starts to try to take my guitar from me and unplug the guitar. And I'm like moving the guitar away from him. And I'm screaming in the mic. And I thought it was like part of like the, like they were going to have a guy come out and mess with me. So the guy's like, give me the guitar. And I'm like, get away from me. And he's like trying to grab the guitar and I'm pulling it away. He's like, I said, give me the guitar. And I'm like, and I'm just like, I'm just like, just just get out of here. And I, I wouldn't give it to him. And I was I was yelling back at him because I thought it was part of the thing. That was their real stage road manager, and he wanted me off for real. And and I didn't know. And I, I was like, get away from me. No. And he tried to unplug the stuff, and I was ripping it back away from him because they were in danger of going into overtime. Right. Right? So there's a curfew at live shows if people don't know this. And if you go over the curfew, the union guys make, like, double the amount. Yes. Even if you, you go can, over, like, ten minutes. Yeah. One minute. Like, you could – Yeah. You, you, you start hemorrhaging money if you go past the curfew. And this guy is trying to get me off. No one communicated to me that he was with them and that they were in trouble of going over. So not only did I just scream at them for 20 times in a row, but I wouldn't get off the stage. And then on my own accord, I stage dove off. And then when I got to the side, they were like, oh, my God, you said curse. And then they were like, oh, my God, we're going into overtime. <laughs> they had to choose whether they were going to cut the show short and not do any encores to not go into overtime or just incur all these extra fees that hit their bottom line. And they did. They went because their finale was their finale was unbelievable. Yeah. They put lead singer Dan and the guys, they clip him in and they pull him into the air on the on the ropes, like 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 50 feet in the air. And he has a drum on him and they spin him and he's just spinning like a like a like a what do you call those things? Those windmill like those yeah he's spinning and he's playing the drums while he's spinning 50 feet in the air. The place went nuts. And we watched from the side. It was the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. But I caused them so much money and so much strife. <laughs> I can't believe they stayed friends with us after that. Great but, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there one uh, one for you that stands out, or a couple that stand out for you as your favorites? Well, I don't know about like getting punished is a weird thing, right? Because like favorites is a hard thing. When well, you yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. But uh, th we shot, and the the one that was the hardest for me was we shot. You know the Universal Studios tram ride where you go through the back lot and you yeah. and, you know you go past the Bates Motel and they take you through the the uh, what's that Tom Cruise War of the Worlds of the plane crash that's in L.A. So it's a tram tour and it's very famous and. Uh, it's about a 45-minute tour, and we were on it once. I actually f***ed myself with this. We were on it once, and some woman dropped her sunglasses off. Uh, so they had to stop stop it down, and there's a whole uh, security thing and safety thing. It's not just stop, grab the sunglasses. It's stop, wait for security to come, get it, hand it to the woman, and go. So, like, she did it once, and everybody was annoyed but kind of cool about it. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, we sh we were sh we happened to get permission to shoot in Universal Studios. And I was like, well, guys, this happened to me once on a ride. Maybe we should consider this as punishment. Uh, and they heard that and was like, that's a great idea. He's the one. You're the one getting punishment. You're going to be on the ride. And I mean, I think you guys made me stop it 11 times. Like It was a 45-minute tour turned into almost two hours and <laughs> yeah. after the first one 
I pulled it, and and it wasn't. I dropped my sunglasses. It, we went past the Back to the Future uh, courthouse. It's an emergency court, right? Yeah. So when you pull it, they have to stop. Right. Oh, Thank gotcha. You. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, gotcha. I, I, yeah. So it's like a subway or an old train. Right. Like you would pull it, or the bus where you press the thing and it says stop. You only pull it for emergency. That's it. Yeah. Emergency. It's like it's like colored red. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like you know you know there's pictures <laughs> of flames behind it. They're like, don't pull this unless. So the guy pulls like. He goes, we go past the courthouse and they're like, and, and they're in my ear and they're like, pull. So I pull it, ding. And everybody's just like, oh, well, what's going on? What's going on? Like, you know, it's just the first time. And then the guy comes back. He's like, is everything okay, sir? And I go, yeah. I go, uh, just could you repeat that thing you said about the courthouse? And the guy was like, okay, well, please don't pull it for that. That's for emergencies. So, so that's the first time. And then, and then it's every six minutes after that, I'm pulling it. And like, it's me alone on the ride. There's, I'm in the middle seat. They really, they really got me good. I'm in the middle seat. There's two people here, two people here. And by the third time, people hated me. Uh, and you felt it. And it was like just concentrated hate. And the people next to me were like kind of like scooting away because you feel it. You feel right. the energy and hate. And then like little girls start giving you dirty looks. And, that, and then, then like by the time you pull it for the eighth time, like – I. I've never felt anything like it in my life. The concentrated hate of a family on vacation, time set. And one guy stands up, and I think we have this in the show. He stands up and goes, when this ride's over, I'm going to find you. And people are going, you're ruining our vacation. And some guy in the back is going, we saved three years to be here, and you're ruining it. What is the matter with you? And I can't say anything but pull this stuff. And, the, and, and by, by the fifth time I pull it, people are going, no, get him off. <laughs> Get them off. And, and, you know, they're not getting me off because they're in on it. I felt bad inside. The guy, the security guard. Well, the driver. Oh, that was, was so I, funny. It also wasn't one tram. It was like, like you know, like they, they have these long trams with like bench rows. And each tram can hold yeah. like 60, 70 people. But there was like four of them connected. Yeah, it's like a Disney parking lot. Train, right, of right? course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like 200 people. And then the guy, the driver, <laughs> uh, they were all connected. So there's only one driver. And we, he was in like, Brian was on like the third or fourth tram. So every time he pulled it, I said, after like the second time, after like the third time, when the guy wanted to stop, he jammed on the brakes. <laughs> and the guy would hop off. And then he'd have to walk like 60 feet, like <laughs> He like charged to the back, like and passed all these people, like, like hot headed. It was funny. Uh, he was he great. Could... He was great. And then by the time he got to you, he was like, "Sir," he's like, "I explained to you already. That is not an emergency. You stop it." Is there like an unwritten rule for you guys that like you have to continue? Like you mentioned, like you're so embarrassed, you feel this hatred. Is it, it, what's the like rule? Like you just got to play along because we got a show gotta to do. do it. You just got to do it. That's what you're there for, man. Because <laughs> you know that what takes I mean? a special kind of person to not go. Okay, guys, it's a show. Like it's it's <laughs> yeah. insane that you yeah. that you go through that. Like, has, has there ever been any violence towards you where you no, get punched? Or I think that's why that one was so difficult because we don't normally piss people off. Like we don't normally go to piss people off. Like right. most most of the time it's I mean, it's, again, we do. Like, it's so funny because we say that, but I just finished telling that story. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we try not to. We don't try to insult any one person. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we don't try to get one person particularly mad necessarily, I guess, right? Right. But it's like it's like blanket upsetness, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is so many different we do so many different things that there's certainly a dynamic where we're pushing those yeah. limits that's a running theme but you can't do anything we know i mean look while we're out there 
we're in the, we try to be as in the moment as possible because it's still this is really happening to us and it, we still are feeling are feeling the way anyone that's watching the show would feel and so we're representing people that are watching you know like being put in these situations so it we, we want to be in the moment because it has to be as related as possible but we also understand we're making a show we're exec producing a show we know like what we need so like yeah no we're not going to stop because for us it's like we came here today to get to this point you know what i mean like that, that's that's what we're looking for so and it's like you know mentally you have to get there so it's it, it really is sometimes some days and sometimes it really is a drag yeah. <laughs> i think too that's one of the appeals of the show though because like, i know like like my son and all his friends are just flipping out like they don't care about dynamite or fozzy or aw or anything they but, um, you're on the impractical jokers oh wow we're a, that's we're gonna have cool. a watching party you know these are 18 year old kids but I think the reason is because you guys will do the stuff that no one else would do. Oh, I, I maybe I don't know. <laughs> I hope nobody starts doing it because then we're, we got competition. <laughs> In this scenario, yeah, I think that we. I don't know a lot of people that. Do, oh, I gotta take my medication. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time in almost nine hundred episodes I've ever heard that. Uh, yeah. on the air. Oh, it's better. What was the old one that was a curse that you had? That like uh, you had one. Oh yeah, it used to, no. That was when I got a text or something. It used to go mail, motherfucker. <laughs> email, mother- <laughs> email. Yeah. We were we were in a Perkins once on tour, and it just starts going uh, text, motherfucker, text. And Gatto just looked yeah. at Sal and goes, "We're surrounded by families. Could you put it on silent?" No, the, the worst thing that ever happened with that was when I opened up at my first business ever. I opened a bar with some friends, and we had local television affiliate come to, to, to interview me on site because I opened up like an art space and a bar and stuff and the, the, like she had the mic like it was like a news interview and we were in that right in my establishment and I'm like yeah we grand opening is this day and I'm on the news and she's like oh great and what people expect and, and I was about to say it and my my, my phone went ding mail mother there was no pretending that it didn't do that and, and we didn't hear that and I didn't know what to do, and I was in the news, and I was like, "Well, I just—I I literally just was like, um, um, and I didn't say anything. I just kept going. I was like, um, we're open Mondays <laughs> One last one I want to talk about because another thing you mentioned is that we're you're filming this in New York City. Now, New Yorkers are are notorious for being a little bit, uh, you know, feisty, shall we say? When you guys cut to the front of the line for the Broadway tickets, yeah. <laughs> we always say Sal got manhandled by an old man, like because uh, that guy grabbed his neck, right? He grabbed your neck and yeah. tried to force you out of the line. I don't know how much of that we showed back in the day. They would cut it short a little bit. Gotcha. And we did it now. Like that, there was the guy who was like a vet, a, a war vet. He right? was like eighty. He was literally like, I was in the war, and then he got so he was. What are you trying to pull? And then he just lunged at me, grabbed my neck, and started bringing <laughs> like the old honeymooners. Yeah. I, got around, yeah. I had a pound, you. Yeah. It was such an old form of assault. <laughs> it was such an antiquated form of assault. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. To me. <laughs> so you guys are trying to get to the front of the line and, and acting like confused to get these tickets yeah it was just who could get to the front of the line the fastest to cut the line to get the ticket 
and uh, I think Gatto won, right? He just went Larry and like walked up to the front and like grabbed the yeah, ticket. Well, the thing, yeah, it's it's in Broadway and it's this thing called TKTS. And what people you can get discounted, heavily discounted Broadway tickets for day of. So you know, if you're visiting from out of town and you want to wait on that line, it pays off because a lot of times people have to buy their tickets months in advance. It's cheaper and it's day of. So. That line gets to be a, what, a thousand, like, like 500 people. Yeah, it can get pretty long. And it's like in the middle of Times Square where there's no shade, like just with. <clears throat> so it's like if it's a summer, they're standing in 90 degree humid weather for like an hour and a half to get these tickets. And along come these four <laughs> chumps like from Staten Island who are just like with them in their day and stuff like that. And that old guy had just seen enough. Whatever war he had been through, he wasn't losing this battle. Like, he just wasn't doing it. He was like, it's not happening. And he was at the end of the line, too. That was brutal. Like, I, honestly, that was very brutal. Like, if we did that today, we should revisit that, actually. Well, we, we're recognizable now. But, like, that is, it's tough to cut a person in line. Yeah. Not, like, right. 100 people. And then they see you going, too. Like, excuse me, excuse me. And they, they, it's, they all start to, feel like, what, who is, like, yeah. what was that? Who's yeah. that? You know, and then there was it snakes the line. So like then you're passing those people again. <laughs> and, and, and people are just like, what do you you know, that that one's tough too. That drew a lot of ire. Yeah. Does it make it you mentioned something? Is it does it make it harder now that you guys, you know, are on true TV eighteen hours a day to do some of these gags? It does. It, it, it it's harder, but we but as we've as we've grown more recognizable, we've developed ways to combat it which which we never tell anybody because once right. people know what it is then they'll then they'll figure it out but like we have ways to filter people out and stuff like that plus we shoot in new york you know what i mean there's eight eight yeah. to ten million people around here i mean if eight to ten million people watch every episode of our show yeah you know we'd be you're getting into mick jagger category yeah it's case, like right? that's just not the case so the number one thing we hear is how do we still film it it's like people are like it's impossible and then this is a small contingent of, of people online they're like it's fake. It's completely fake. And then people are like, oh, I know it's fake. Oh, Jesus. And we're like, we're like, fake. Guys, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what do you think this is? Like, you, yeah. like the Truman Show? <laughs> just, yeah. Everybody's in on it? Yeah. yeah. It's a decade of like just of, of people. And they're like, well, I saw the person in season nine, I saw in season two. And we're like, maybe. Like, like, like we do focus groups. Like, a lot of those people go to focus groups as on the regular they they like to do it and they make money so once in a blue moon like we, we have a data a database of names so we never someone can't get on twice but it's like it's it's human right yeah, yeah, people yeah. leave positions new people come in a, you know list gets lost whatever so we always check against the database and people check just like do they look familiar but you're talking about thousands in seasons yeah. of people right uh, yeah, we don't even know the people. We had people apparently come back on one time, and afterward they go, "Oh, this person checked out that they were in this database, and they didn't even know that they were on a show again because it wasn't the same person they dealt with before, and they also don't give a shit. They never saw the show even since they were on last time. So to them, they're just doing another focus group eight years later, and it's it's James, and it wasn't me, and like you know, and that's happened like a couple of times, but it's like. Out of, you know, I mean, we probably dealt with 10,000 people already. You know what I mean? So it's like. Right. Sure, sure. Yeah. As we start to wind down here, um, a lot of these gags, like you said, uh, you do them, you get it over with, it's done, it's immortalized in television, it's hilarious. But the one that really got to me more than anything was the, the, the tattoos that you guys had to get. And that shows kind of how committed you are, because both of the ones that you have are, are, are pretty brutal. Your no, tattoo. I like mine. I, I like my tattoos. Pretty. I mean, Sal definitely. Like, this is just a cute cat, man. 
You know what I mean? It says 38, lives alone, has three cats. That's, so that's not humor bad. There. So that's yeah. not bad, right? Okay. Sal just got straight up f***ed. So, like, so, so how, how, come, how, come, how come Sal got f***ed you didn't get f***ed on this one? <laughs> because I'll tell you why. Because Sal suffers the best. He's just like a whipping boy sometimes because he's so funny when he suffers. So if you're going to give anybody the Jaden Smith tattoo, it's it's going to be Sal. Because like, I'll get that tattoo and then I'll let it go. Like I'll just forget about it. It, it's eating Sal up to this day, like that he has a Jaden Smith tattoo. And then we did the movie and did another one. Yeah, I have two. Two now. Jaden Smith. Yeah, because so, well, first of all, it was just bullshit that it was, they, it was given to me arbitrarily. Like James and, and Q got two things that had to do with them. But this, the first one was a full color, accurate. I, like you ever see those realistic tattoos? It's the full, I'm sorry, it's a black and white, very accurate portrait a real accurate of Jaden and he's 15 which is also weird and then <laughs> and and then it's on my thigh so he's a, it's a 15 year old boy on my thigh it's it's Jaden Smith and and then um in the movie we got Jaden Smith in the movie and I crashed his uh a movie premiere of his and I crashed it as his number one fan and the people in the audience didn't know and they called me on stage and they had Jaden, Jaden knew, and he goes, uh, he goes, show the tattoo to the audience. Cause I was, I was wearing a shirt that said, I'm an, I'm number one Jaden fan. So like I was wearing Daisy Dukes. So I turned to the audience of his movie brand. I lifted up the Daisy Dukes and I showed it and they were like, Oh my, like they were shocked. Cause I'm a middle-aged man, you know, like, and, uh, <laughs> and then he says, well, that doesn't even look like me anymore. I'm 21 now. <laughs> and he goes, I think that needs to be updated. And the crowd goes nuts. And then we get, we leave there and go five blocks away to a tattoo parlor. And then he poses for my other thigh. Oh my and it's a full color accurate <laughs> portrait of him at 21 years old. Oh my gosh. So he's, he was in on the gag then. The second time. Yeah. 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 He wasn't the first, which is amazing. He got, we, we ended up hearing about it. And then he was, props to him and he was so cool and he was game to come in and he even like stood there for a bit yeah and everything. he's a and nice kid he's in the movie you know he was in our movie and so i have uh him at 15 and 21 on both thighs <laughs> he said that with like almost like a like a yeah man i got both thighs done now this is cool stuff. the question is always do i get do i get a version of him every few years <laughs> I, I told sal if, if he waits he's it's it's just gonna eventually be two two tattoos of morgan freeman on his leg. <laughs> Just give it enough time. <laughs> It'll sag. <laughs> Last few questions here. You guys are obviously, we're mentioning you're filming season 10 now. Live shows, movies, true TV 51% of the time. What's kind of the, the overall plan for the future for you guys? Is, are we continuing to do this? Is there other plans that you have to, to continue to build this empire? Yeah, I, I think we do jokers until they make us stop. As, you know, or, you know, who knows? You never know like what day is going to come, but like we're still having fun doing it. We're developing other shows now that we, we, we just signed a, a development deal with Warner Brothers, so we're working on that to like try and bring new concepts that we've always wanted to do to life. Uh, you know, we're working out. We're trying to really work out an angle with AEW to get in there and play with you guys for a little bit. We're... we're we're working on that, man. You talk to this. That's still, I, I got to get involved in that again. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I don't know how much you want me to, you know, they, we got to go to Atlanta for, for a little bit to, oh, uh, to get up to speed. 
uh, and not get hurt. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's oh, interesting. So that's the next step, which is which the ball's in our court. But uh, but that's we're gonna, great. We're gonna do that and then come. I'm so scared though. I'm so scared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get hurt. I know I'm gonna. Oh, get that's hurt. gonna be amazing. Listen, you 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 had jeans frozen to your legs. Yeah, I think you'll be okay taking a hip toss. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Although Tommy Dreamer did put me through the ringer already, and I survived that, so I, I think we'll be all right. I hope. As long as you guys are nice to us. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we have the, the, the development deal. We're doing like Q's doing an animated show. We're doing like a game show. We're doing scripted and then all that stuff in the pike. And we like, it's literally the most thing we're excited yeah. about. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing, you know? Uh, okay. Last question for you. We've talked about some of the, the funniest moments. What's the most embarrassing moment that you've had on the show where you almost wanted to break and go, stop. I can't do this anymore. Is there one that stands out for you other than all of them? Yeah, I had to. This was an early, early one that was really tough for me. But like they made me teach my like they told me I was teaching this classroom full of uh, like teenagers sex ed. And that was going to be the punishment. And that was bad enough. And then like they showed me the room. This is how like crazy it gets. They showed me the room and they had the room full of preteens. Right. And I'm like, they look so young. You want me to go in there and talk to them about sex? I can't do that. Right. And the producers pulled me aside and they were talking to me about something. Then when I went into the room, it was my mom and my dad. And they're like, you have to teach your mom and dad sex ed. And they made this, they made the slide. They gave me a, a donut and a hot dog. Like I had to like teach my parents. And, and by the way, it aired, I think it cut down to seven minutes, but it was over an hour. I was mm. in there talking to my parents about like, mom, like, do you know what 69 means? It was like, it was stuff like that. Oh and my, my mother's gosh. like religious. That's not sex. That's like, that's like honors course. Yeah, You guys wrote it. And I, and my mother goes to church like, like twice a week. She's like. <laughs> A godly woman, and she's sitting there going, "Oh, Brian! Oh, oh, Brian! Oh, Brian! My dad's got this big sheeting." But that was really hard. Like that was hard to look in your look in your parents' eyes and discuss their sex life. Sal, the one that came to mind first, although it's probably just endless, but I had to. I played a delivery guy, uh, and I was delivering lunch to people in their office buildings in the city in New York. And um, man, I had to tell everyone, like, I, I, so I'd arrive at the desk and they'd call that person down. I had their food in a bag and they would come down. And, and when they paid me, I had to be like, this tip is shit. And I just had to, I just had to literally insult the tip. <laughs> no matter what it was. No matter what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't, you got to understand, like, people are not prepared to hear that and they don't know how to deal with that. And it's, it was very, very mortifying. Like, to that's so oddly, like, very insulting. Right. I don't know, you know, like, because people give what they can. It just felt so terrible. And I did it, like, for an afternoon. I did it for, like, like, like 10 people. I think I remember when, when they said I could stop, I literally, like, fell on the floor and just, like, laid there for a little bit. Because the, the feeling in your gut is so terrible. And I, and I literally had to be like, this is shit. This is a shit tip. What are you, what are you trying to call? You know, like, <laughs> And, and, and just and those words too. Like, the, this tip is shit. <laughs> Not even like bad. It's shit. Dumbfounded. And then like some of them would be like, and some of them would like just look down and just like almost like in a daze, just hand me more money. <laughs> and then one guy was like, "Do you want me to go back upstairs and get more?" And I'm like, "Yes." And then <laughs> another guy. So another guy. You, you ever see like when you have to go through like they have to like hit a button to open the glass door so you can get into the into the area. Yeah. So he came out of the glass door into the lobby to pay me. And then I did that whole thing with him. 
And then he went to go back in and his key card wasn't working. And so he was stuck. <laughs> he got back in and me and him were just standing there together. He was so nice. Yeah, that was terrible. Listen, it's, it's it was uh, uh, great to be on the show. I had a blast. Dude, thank you, and man. it's great to talk to you guys. And like I said, it's, it's always uh, funny texting back and forth with you guys. And I'm glad that we're going to be seeing more of you guys in AEW and more impractical jokers, but congratulations on building. I'm, going to I'm actually going to Canada too soon. For the first time, I'm going to Canada to perform. I'm your your oh, your no area. Kidding. I'm going to, All right. Yeah, I'm going to Toronto, Hamilton, Vancouver. Well, you'll 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 bomb up there for sure. <laughs> I will. Right. I was I was I was wondering how that's going to be. I don't know. We'll Guys, I don't know. No, but congratulations on on ten years of like. Are you f- serious with this thing still? Yeah, thank but you. It's man. amazing, and it's great to. Uh, like I said, the show is hilarious, and I'm excited for everybody to see it. Thanks, bud. I mean, and, and you know, it meant so much to us when you came on, dude, and and you killed for us, even though you you know you physically hurt me. Uh, it was, <laughs> it, it, you know, and and we've said like from our first appearance on on this podcast, like you know, we we've been massive fans of yours your entire career. We've you know we've proven that with photos and pictures yeah. and and stories. So to have you on was. It was pretty special, man. It really was. It, it was like special for us. It was one of those moments. So thank you for coming on. Well, for me too, guys. I appreciate it. I know you're all busy. I got a date with Sal's mom. So I got to. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I told you that I, I bought one of your books and it was like, it was one that wasn't the most recent. It was on paperback and you were like, oh, big deal. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> what, you, you, like, you bought a paperback version from two books ago. There's, there's a solid 12 cents in my royalty check. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, dudes. We'll see you soon, man. Thank you so much. All right, Chris. Thanks, Thank you, bud. Brother. Cheers, guys. 